Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 349 of the Fun with Cars Motorsport Podcast, or episode 11 of 2023. I'm Robin Warner, and I recently got the chance to have a chat with Nick Tandy, driver of the number six Porsche 963 in IMSA for Porsche Penske Motorsports. We spoke ahead of the Road America race Saturday morning, August 5th. Okay, let's jump right in. Nick Tandy, uh, professional race car driver with Porsche. Very good to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Good. Good, thank you. Just getting ready to uh, head off to the racetrack. Yeah, but all good. Good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah I'm happy, happy to get this chance. That does not look like a Porsche Cayenne, but uh, maybe that was just uh, the limitations of what was available in Wisconsin. The good old rental car department. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, you have been a Porsche driver for a long, long time, but you did take kind of a, a stint away from that uh coming to uh, race American stuff. You were racing Chevrolet Corvettes last year, but now you're back at Porsche. And I was just curious, was it the size of the engine that intimidated you? Was it too loud for you? Could you not handle the power? What was it about uh, the Chevrolet that was too much for you? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, it's a hard to American circumstance. circumstance. I mean, um, no, I mean, I had a, I had a great time with with Chevy and, and GM, and uh, I mean, how was that experience? It's it it is in all seriousness that is a it's a very different program than Porsche would run, I would imagine. Yeah, it was, and you know, I'd I'd raced against them for for a long time in my in my first Porsche career, let's say. But yeah, it was it was different. Um, it was a whole load of fun. You know, I when I when I joined that program, it was. You know, it was never the plan for to, to just be for a two-year thing, but things in in racing change. You know, and um, there was there was nowhere for these, you know, the old GTLM or GT cars to race anymore. And mm-hmm. you know, that was where my my heart uh, back in that kind of day lied, which is why I went there. You know, when when Porsche, you know, stopped the the GT program in in North America, there was kind kind of nothing for me there. So. I went off, but now we've got this new great GTP class with these, you know, LMDH cars and LMH cars. So I thought I'd come back and have another go. Eh? Uh, well, I I have to say sincerely uh, that I'm quite happy to have you back uh, racing in the United States and uh, racing under the Porsche umbrella. That just I just have to admit feels more comfortable. You've been in Porsche colors for so long, and. That, in fact, is a perfect segue to my next question. You've been racing production-based stuff for such a long time. You know, you were in the Porsche GT cars uh, in the recent years, and uh, then you switched over to uh, the Corvette GTLM program, which, as you say, no longer exists. But now you're back in a prototype. I mean, you won Le Mans in a 919. I mean, prototypes, I mean, you grew up. Uh, as most drivers do racing formula cars i mean being in a prototype has to feel kind of fantastic right it does you know it's at the end of the day it's still it's still they're still racing cars whether you're doing you know you've got more space in the cockpit or let's say less space these you know these new edition of gtp cars they're you know they're a lot bigger than what the old lmp1 or even the lmp2 are so they're more although they're you know they're they're highly downforce governed let's say there's still a lot of weight to them 
so the actual uh i would say the the way the way you drive these new cars is more more like the way we used to drive the gtlm stuff rather than mm. how, how i would go about you know i when when i did two or three years of of lmp1 stuff so yeah like you say i started i started out in stock cars transitioned to sedan racing on the circuits let's say and then moved into to single seat stuff before i ever got in a porsche and then you know i went into prototype stuff so i've got a, a vast array of experience in different kind of machinery let's say um i'm always one that wants to you know i want to be involved in the in the best racing out there possible against the best teams against the best drivers in the best series race on the best tracks in front of the best people so you know for years i saw that in in imsa and um in in gtlm and in gte with the you know all the manufacturers that were involved all the great teams now that's kind of moved into you know gt3 but also hypercar and and gtp so mm-hmm. yeah the t- the type of car you always want to drive something fast but my enjoyment out of racing comes from the competitive aspect of it and you know that could be driving a lawnmower if everyone's out there in competitive <laughs> lawnmowers, that would be the place i want to race nowadays well, there is lawnmower racing in the u.s if, GT, if you so. want it nick <laughs> <laughs> um well it, that that's fascinating to hear you say that you know it, it you're saying it's it's a little bit it's less the ultimate speed that the race car achieves and more of how competitive the other people are around you and uh it certainly uh now that uh, IMSA and the FIA have come to an agreement with a top class category that can relate um, race in Le Mans so the WEC series and IMSA series can both have their cars come in it has opened up the competition a lot more manufacturers a lot of interest has been poured into GTP, and that's why Porsche is back, and it's really interesting. But you mentioned a couple of things that I think are worth talking about a little bit. This is a shockingly heavy prototype car, isn't it? I mean, it sounds, I'm, it's been quite consistent that everyone's kind of surprised at how physically big it is. And then the weight is a lot higher than, you, than you're used to. Is it genuinely starting to feel more like a production car in terms of like front end performance and, and, uh, just the general feel of how much weight has to move around for the car to turn. Yeah. So there's different aspects to it. When, I mean, when we're at, when we're at speed and, and at high speed, you know, you have this high level of downforce, which, which takes over. Obviously the prototypes are, you know, they're custom designed to be as fast as possible on a racetrack rather than a, you know, a car that's taken from the the street or the production line and converted into a into a race car. And don't get me wrong, you know, those cars are fantastic racing machines. And a lot of the time they are designed with racing in mind as well as, you know, carrying passengers, let's say. But mm-hmm. yeah, these the, the new prototypes there at high speed they they feel similar to let's say the old LMP one or or LMP two or this sort of, you know, prototype stuff where where you're heavily reliant on, you know, the huge grip that they create. The converse side of that is when the speed comes off, you lose that that aerodynamic grip, and then the kind of the the weight situation takes over the mechanical grip side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you've got to bear this in mind when driving them. The cars are bigger, they're safer because of this. You know, there's more room inside the cockpit for the drivers, this sort of thing. There's more uh, more headroom, uh, more crash structures, this sort of thing. So they're safer cars for a start. But the main point that allows us all to go racing, and that's why you've seen success with this class so far, I think, you know, we're not allowed to blow the budgets. We're not allowed to spend tons of money on these things, coming up with all sorts of weight-saving measures, exotic materials and parts and stuff we're locked into a cost capped measure if you like which which means you know we we end up with these these bigger cars um you know the heavier cars they still have this great you know amount of horsepower this great level of grip at high speed but yeah they're 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 different but as i said earlier the fact that manufacturers like porsche like you know acura and, and cadillac um, even, you know, new cars from Ferrari, Peugeot, this sort of thing over in, in Europe. It's th- the fact that the costs are controlled means we can all go racing together. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in LMP1 when we, you know, there was three cars and the budgets were, were yeah. huge. Eight, eight figures. Yeah. Absolutely. They, 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 were, they were huge. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it blew itself up in the end because of this. So, yeah. Uh, it's just the way of the sport. But yeah, the fact that we, we get to go racing, it's it's awesome. And uh, you know, I'm always I always feel privileged to the fact that I can be one of the drivers in these in these teams and in these manufacturers and go racing in front of all the people that come and watch. So I, I find it I mean, I think you're kind of touching on a trend, which is <clears throat> even Formula One cars, they're heavier than they've ever been. You know, those things are uh, over eight hundred kilos now, an F one car, which is kind of shocking. Uh, you know, GTP, it bigger and heavier than before. And the other thing I was talking with uh, Jonathan Dugid um, uh, the other day, and he was talking about it. There's actually not that much tire considering that this is a top prototype class. So it sounds like you guys are often uh, actually traction limited. And that's probably closer to what production car racing used to be like as well, I would think. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. You know, the the fact is that we've got, uh, we've still got a ton of horsepower going through just the rear axle. Yeah, and just under 700, I, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, Ish? yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dependent on, yeah, different things. Yeah, <laughs> BOP, pressure, of performance, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. All this sort of stuff. But yeah, so, um, you know, they're still lightweight machines. Let's not get us wrong. They're, they're you know, they're over a thousand kilos compared to the old LMP1, which was, you know, 850, 890 odd. So it's quite a big difference. And by the time you put a driver and 120 litres of fuel on board, you know, they do become heavy, but they still got a ton of, ton of power. And trying to get that through, if we were allowed, there would be places you go where you would run a bigger size rear tyre because you mm-hmm. become rear limited in a lot of places. And that obviously as the tyres wear, um, you have all this power going through through the rear axle places a bit like road america where there's a lot of st- slow stuff a lot of acceleration phases this sort of thing there's a lot of energy going through the rear axle and the rear tires so yeah like you say a bit more like um you know the gt class i guess um even though you know one of the gems i thought from that kind of era when i was involved we had open tire development you know you could pick uh-huh. a lot of people went with michelin at the time um you know because they do know how to provide produce great racing tires but we were open to develop our own tires. This was the thing. One of the cost caps in, in IMSA now and, and GTP is we're all given a, a, a tire 
that we all have to use. So there's no, it takes out this development cost of developing your own tires. But then, you know, you've got limitations with that and um, you've got to work around it. But it's all part of the fun, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then the other thing that is different about the GTP car versus prototypes and certainly production cars in the past that you've driven, uh, you're now running a, a hybrid setup. And uh, I know that that's not completely new to you personally, uh, racing with them, but <clears throat> what has it been like running this hybrid setup in GTP? Has that taken some getting used to? Has that been enjoyable? Uh, is there interesting ways to make advantages out of your hybrid system versus the others? I mean, it's interesting. It's a, it's an engineering product project as much as, you know, something that us as drivers can make the most of. So it's been challenging. You know, all, always new technology takes time for development. The more we, more we learn with the system, again, it's a, it's a, it's a spec system that's provided for all the cars, let's say, rather than what I was used to in, you know, a few years ago where it was a, it was all a bespoke system and we could do whatever we like with the hybrid system. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting project. It's always fun to learn how we can, you know, it's not always, always a mac- about maximizing performance. There's a lot of efficiency that goes into endurance racing. Sure, you know, sure. You don't you don't want to make if you make one more stop, one more pit stop than than the others in a in a in a race that runs green, you're not going to win. So, you know how you can develop the system to help your efficiency of the car, also help your efficiency of how you you use the tires and how the tires degrade. This sort of thing. Ah, uh, yeah, it sure, all, sure. It all comes into it. So, as well as on top of make, obviously making sure that you get the most out of the performance of the thing. So. Yeah, it's uh, I I enjoy it. one of the things I like with manufacturer racing and being involved with a you know a program like Porsche or all with Corvette this sort of thing. You don't just drive the car on the track. You effectively you're involved with the design of the car, and you know you can have an influence on how the actual car and the product goes out on track. And this is something fun. You know, I I enjoy the engineering side of of racing um, a lot. Not as much as as the competition and the winning side, because that's what really drives me. But yeah, going back to when I started, it was all I built the cars, I maintained the cars, I engineered and developed the cars. So it's it's part of what got me excited about the sport, I guess. See, I I thought you raced for access to the rental car fleet, but um, the <laughs> still <do> um, <laughs> the interesting thing about the hybrid system that I, I find is that the hardware is all spec. It is a standardized system, but uh, the different manufacturers, Porsche, Acura, Cadillac, and BMW have a lot of um, uh, a lot of options in terms of how they integrate the hybrid system into their internal combustion engine. And it seems like you would, as a driver, have some influence on how the drivability of the hybrid uh, interplays with the internal combustion engine. And there there might be some there would be some development opportunity for you there as well. There is a little bit. It's probably not as much as you think because a lot of it is governed by regulation. And again, it's to take away the option to outspend the competition, which is yeah. good. But there still is there still is ways, you know, s- software and code these days in, in pretty much everything we use or anything we do is a big part of whatever we use. There's a lot of work done on on the software side of how how we can make things better. I mean, honestly, from a from a driving perspective, and this was even back when 
um, you know, the, now the the hybrid system is probably let's say ten percent of the total power output of the of the vehicle. Whereas sure. back in LMP one, it could be it, it was over fifty percent at times. Um, wow! But even going back to then, the the best way that we could get to use everything that the car was doing was to have it kind of automated and have it all preset in the vehicle and, and worked out in the pit and in the you know in the engineering office before we went out on track i so see driver, i see it's all you know it's all second nature it's all natural you just do the driving and you've of course you're involved in how it's how it works with the car and how it works with the internal combustion engine and developing this into a system but hopefully that's all preset in the car before you you know you develop it through free practice qualifying whatever and hopefully you've got it right for the race and then go out and concentrate on trying to drive and drive against the others so yeah sure sure so competing against the others i mean you know you and uh bmw have the closest setup you guys are both turbocharged v8s then you've got a real small V6 in the Acura and a big naturally aspirated um, uh, V8 in the Cadillacs. Uh, and it's been really interesting watching how GTP has developed over the season. Uh, different cars seem strong in different places. Um, you guys had a win at Long Beach. You guys had a win at the Glen for a few hours. Um, yeah. And to which I, I apologize. That is that that really that bummed me out, and I wasn't uh, officially part of the team at all. So. Yeah, it still stings a bit. I must admit. <laughs> yeah. I, how is it? How is driving the car? How has the competition been going? Because you're going to, I mean, you know, Long Beach to the Glen, the two places where the car won on track. Those are about as different as you can get in terms of places. I mean. How has it been going to these different tracks and racing the Porsche? Uh, it's, I mean, it's difficult. Everything is, you know, we go to a new track and everything's new. We have to learn. I mean, the good thing is everybody's in the same boat. This is the thing. You know, we have got, I think it's great that there's variety in the class. You've got obviously different manufacturers with different chassis, you know, different engine philosophies, like you say. But ultimately, everybody's more or less producing the same sort of stuff and the same sort of lap time on track. Yeah, we're still working out why or how we we are or how we can be competitive at, at different sort of tracks. Like you say, Long Beach and, and the Glen are p- kind of polar opposites in the calendar. Um, you know, we were we were quick at Laguna. We finished second there. Um, we were pretty hopeless at. at places like Mosport or, or or Sebring um you know without sort of really knowing why and uh it's difficult obviously the only thing we control is is ourselves and what we're doing and and the development of our car um but you do you know you do see everyone's everyone's not standing still people are getting better BMW you know I think they've they've improved a lot since Daytona they seem to be really really quick um, BMW had a lot more to improve, but uh, they're definitely they did. coming on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they have. You, you guys, know, they've, they've stepped up the game, and you know, I think we have as well. We didn't have the best starts of the season, but we've, you know, we've we've generally consistently been. <laughs> I say generally consistent. We've generally <laughs> been pretty good at at, at race ex- execution. Um, you know, Penske know a thing about getting getting races done and winning races. Porsche know a thing or two about endurance racing. So, 
yeah we we've been we've been happy with how we've executed we've not always been so happy with how we've been performance wise but as long as you know we're not we're not as long as we're not standing still as long as we're learning and we're trying to to develop then you know it, it's all good we just have to hope that we're we're smarter than the rest and uh it's it is different every time we come to track we're we're at um you know road america this weekend we go to we race at Indy next and then, and then road Atlanta, you know, they're three very different types of track for three very, very different types of events even. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. You, you don't know what's coming. But, yeah. And uh, road America has been repaved on top of that. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well we, t- we, we tested here a few weeks ago, but we've come back and even, even, you know, a couple of months worth of weathering of the track and people running sure. on it. It's changed the changed the the track surface, so it's not just the cars that are changing week in week. It's the <laughs> tracks as well. Well, uh, you you, uh, you you touched on my my final question uh, for you. It's been so cool to see um, Penske and Porsche back together again. You know, they raced in the mid late two thousands in the LMP two class uh, together, but this is your first time. With Penske, I believe you've raced obviously Porsche plenty, but how has being part of Penske and the marriage of Penske and Porsche? How has that been from your perspective? I mean, it's it's great. It was one of the you know the key points as to what convinced me to come back. Um, I you know I always wanted to. Uh, I had a year off, but I wanted to come back and race in North America. IMS has been a you know a great part of my life. Um, it's provided me with a great start of my career a, a lot of fun i've met a lot of people when it became clear that porsche were going to come back in top level prototypes and have penske involved uh this this was obviously part of the the thinking everything that you know that penske and, and roger has been involved with they they've always been successful it's a fact and you know i know that even if year one doesn't turn out the way that we want it to of of course we hope it does end the season um we've we've won um the car's been good but we want to we want to win championships we want to win things like Sebring and Le Mans and things like this and you know what I do know is that we the team you know team Penske and and everyone involved this they're not doing this program just to make numbers up um, they're not doing it just to balance the books. This is the thing. It's it's all about trying to go racing, uh, to be competitive and to be the best out there. And that's obviously something that all of us involved, me included, we want to try and be the best out there. So, yeah, there's a common a common theme, some great people around and a lot of motivate motivation to to succeed. And, and like I say, and be the best. So, yeah. It's it's the start of a new relationship. The last one with Porsche and Penske uh, went very well, so we're hoping to Definitely emulate. So. We're hoping to emulate that and uh, yeah. uh, provide that car provide was lighter. Though. <laughs> it was a lot lighter. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nick, this has been by far the best rental car interview I've ever had. Thank you so much for the time. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Good luck at Road America. I, it's a fast, fast place. The carousel and the kink are amazing. Two corners in a car like that. It's like going to be fantastic to watch. So thank you very much. Yep. Thanks for your time. Good to talk to you. Cheers. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. 
Well, that's it for today. In the meantime, I have kept quite busy on YouTube, of course, and I have a new website. It is called ViewsOnVehicles.com, and it is where I post written reviews as well as the latest news in the automotive world. Please do check it out. And thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com and tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Goodbye.